0: There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grumbacher. We've got an awesome show for you coming up. This week, I was joined by Julia Meyerson, the founder and executive director of Vista College Prep, a K-5 charter school system in Phoenix, Arizona. We had a great conversation that covered why and how she started a school, her beliefs on the role of schools and the enormous importance of teachers, to the necessity of teaching and living values on a daily basis, and finally, her advice to parents and community members who are interested in helping kids get the most out of their academic experiences. You can find out more about Julia at vistagecollegeprep.org, and I definitely encourage you to check it out. Please subscribe to the show, leave us a review, like us on Facebook. That's enough about that. Let's go. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grambacher. Joining us in spirit today is Centauri Minor and helping us move from awareness to action is Julia Meyerson, founder and executive director of Vista College Preparatory. Welcome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I told you when we sat down that I normally will rattle Centauri's cage a little bit because <laughs> he's not here. I'm going to try to rattle yours a little bit, sorta. <laughs> I was looking at your website, and it looks like the results from the 2000 and 2016-17 2000, Arizona merit tells us that your results are almost twice as good as the state's from a literacy, literary literacy standpoint. <laughs> And I was just curious how you expect to attract new students like
1: that. <laughs> it's <laughs> difficult, yes. Um, uh, yes, that's definitely part of our uh, uh, key items that we like to share with families. We think that that idea of academic expectation that we hold for our students and then ultimately the results and outcomes we get for our kids um, is absolutely what helps keep us grow.
0: I was talking to the young man at the at the front desk when I walked in and I asked him what he liked about working here. and He said a lot of things, but certainly he said that he feels like the kids understand what the expectations of them are, and he also feels that they really respond to that. Mm -hmm. That's something that you're purposeful about?
1: Definitely. I think sort of the intentionality that we want to bring to our academic model is at the forefront of everything we do, both in terms of, and I would hope actually that our teachers would say the same thing actually, is that they also know what is expected of them. We're incredibly transparent always. We have extensive professional development our coaches are always in teachers classrooms um, and so I think it's actually that idea that our teachers also know what's really expected of them in terms of how to move our students forward uh, faster um, I think is a, a not only a critical piece of our model but something that I'm particularly proud of at our school.
0: Nice so mm-hmm. you are celebrating your fifth year in existence mm-hmm. probably this month I think I saw from your website uh, yeah so that's really exciting congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, did you always knew did you always know that you wanted to, to, to found a, a, a charter school?
1: <laughs> um, well, I would say um, not at the beginning, no. Um, after college, I joined Teach for America, and uh, I'm actually from Arizona, originally born and raised, so one of the few native Arizonans. Uh, but after college, joined Teach for America and moved to New York City and taught first grade in the South Bronx. Um, and it was around that time, actually, that the mayor had been, Mayor Bloomberg had been getting really involved in education. so I became fascinated with how education could be impacted from a political perspective and then actually moved to Washington, D.C. Uh, as many do who are interested in politics uh, and worked for a political committees for four years um, and wasn't doing as much in education at that point and, and missed it terribly and knew that I wanted to move back to Arizona and do something more meaningful. And so at that point, the idea of being able to create a school um, and really study best practices is exactly what, what motivated me at that time. Cool. Yes.
0: So, I unfortunately don't know much about what Mayor Bloomberg was able to do, (laughs) I imagine quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Was he able to, to change that system?
1: So I think many would argue yes, and many would argue no, right? I think that that's the, that was what ultimately interested me is, is what could politics do or how politics could ultimately impact education reform. Um, when I was teaching, um, I wasn't given a curriculum. I was kind of learning by non example throughout my teaching experience, and I knew that I wanted to, if I were to create a school, I'd want to make sure that it was kind of the opposite of, of the experience I had. I think the experience that I had in, in New York was what solidified my interest and passion for education, but it was not until I actually stepped out of that experience and ultimately participated in a fellowship program around what does it actually mean to run a high-performing school serving low-income students. And so I left my teaching experience and I was a pretty good teacher. I was told, you know, oh, people will be brought into my classroom pretty frequently, um, but it was not until I had the opportunity to go through this fellowship go into classrooms where teachers were literally just changing the trajectory of their students' lives when I actually realized that I was not a good teacher. And what actually is possible in education is not something I had had seen, and I knew that that's what I wanted to create here in Arizona.
0: Got it. So you saw what great teachers look like.
1: Yep, and, and said, then said, great, if that's what it looks like, we're replicating that exactly, and that is what our school is founded on. We are literally founded on what are these best practices across the country from high-performing schools serving low-income students? And I visited probably over 60 schools. There were a few then in particular, most actually in Newark, New Jersey, that I went and spent kind of a year going back and forth between Phoenix and Newark to study this set of schools um, because they were just consistently um, crushing it for their kids. I mean, literally blowing every other school out of the water. Their kids were achieving at the highest levels, and I knew that that is what I wanted Vista College Prep to look like. No. So
0: you just research them and you said, Hey, my name's Julie. I'm out in Arizona. I want to start a school. And you guys are, you guys are awesome. <laughs> Can I come shout out of you guys? Something. They're like, sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, yeah, something like that. Easy. Yeah. Just that easy. Yeah. <laughs> pretty standard, simple email. So.
0: <laughs> right. Well, but you reached out and you, you made it happen. So awesome. So what, from your perspective is the role? And just to, just to level set, I'll, I'll, I'll have given people some background on the school in the introduction, but this is a K through five
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, school. What do you believe that the role of a school should be in a child's life? <laughs>
1: um. I firmly believe that it is our job to close the achievement gap here, and our students are coming to us often two to three grade levels behind. And there is not a single excuse in the world that I can think of, whether it is a child coming with, uh, uh, without, with a language barrier, whether it is a child coming in two to three grade levels behind, whether it's coming in with a child who have parents that don't speak English. Not one of those excuses um, can be. I think can allow for a school to say that they can't achieve for that child. And so I firmly believe that it is our job. When I think of you know schools that aren't performing, I would always want to look back at the leadership of that school. Um, it's not any way poverty or any of these other, um, I think, issues that are obviously huge, huge, uh, huge issues that impact a child's life. But what I want to make sure that we do at Vista College Prep is, is prove what is possible, just like I've seen at, at other schools across the country.
0: Awesome. And the role of the teacher?
1: In the role of a the teacher, um, they, I, you know, I think the the principal of the building is just one of the most important people in that building because you know everybody, of course, says, of course, it's the teacher, and I, I firmly believe that. But if you have a good leader, they will attract phenomenal teachers. And uh, no teacher wants to work, I think, for a leader that isn't able to to get it done. And so I'm I'm so proud of the two principals that we have. We have two campuses. We're currently at our Hadley campus downtown. We have a phenomenal principal. We just opened a, our campus at a second building second campus in Maryville. Um, and I'm particularly proud because it was actually one of our founding kindergarten teachers who is now the principal at that building. And nice. so to see her have having grown in the organization is, is pretty awesome.
0: That's very awesome. Well, I think that any organization, is, it always starts with the leadership and then, totally. I mean, will trickle, for lack of a better term, down. That's the person that sets the sets the vision and, and, and the tone and everything else. So, okay, great. So what is it about the school system in general, that hasn't been working?
1: The school system in its its entirety? Let's just call it it
0: Arizona's. Let's say that Arizona's K-5 system, why why is your model needed? Why is VISTA needed?
1: So, you know, I think Arizona, unfortunately, has been last in, in most rankings when we think about both teacher pay, both in terms of student achievement and I think that that is what we're trying to do here, which is say we actually can be a proof point or a model of excellence around what actually a quality program looks like. And I am so excited to say that there are incredibly strong charter schools and district schools that are getting it done for kids. And so I'm pretty agnostic to the model as long as you're performing for kids. And so for us it's it's not just about kind of more choices, it's about quality choices for kids. And so I think it's that attitude that I think more and more people are, are are adopting around it's not just about, you know, having a ton of choices, it's about making sure that those choices are truly quality. As we think about expanding our goal is is in no way to situate ourselves near an A or B school district or charter. If you're just killing it for kids like awesome I want to learn from you I want to continue to study I hope we can have a partnership someday um, I think it's for the schools that are unfortunately chronically underperforming um, or, or feeling that our students in those communities don't have access to a high quality choice um, is where we want to continue to grow
0: got it when when I googled charter schools are bad this afternoon and <laughs> the extensive research I, I did for our quite interview, a bit on it, yes <laughs> well I, it just I've certainly talked to a lot of people about char- charters mm-hmm. versus traditional public. And mm-hmm. My mom was a school teacher in Minnesota for her whole career, and I think that she thinks that charter schools are bad, but I don't think that people have really investigated or mm-hmm. looked into um, fairly whether or not charter schools are good or bad. But one of the the negatives, I guess, would be that they drain money from traditional public schools. And that's what you were just talking about. You're not going and putting it right next door to mm-hmm. a really good public school.
1: Mm-hmm. I, yeah, exactly. Charter district. I mean, I think, um, you know, if you're a poor performing charter school, you shouldn't be there anymore. <laughs> and so I think that, you know, there is quite a bit of press around, you um, um, you know, charter schools that are are not performing or uh, that aren't quality in some way. And, uh, you know, here at our school, we are just so committed to, to having quality always be at, at the, the forefront of everything that we do. I mean, we will stop growing the moment one of our schools isn't performing. Um, like we just, none of us have the patience for that. And so when we think about, I mean, if you, you know, when we think about where our students are performing in comparison to other schools that are serving the same population, um, we are, are very, very much surpassing um, the, the student performance in, in that sense. And again, it's both charter and district. So for me, I just have, I'm agnostic to type in that sense.
0: Right, and I think that the, I, I believe for the most part in, in free markets and I think that the market works itself out mm-hmm. and the cream does rise to the top a lot of the time. So um, the other thing that that I wrote down was that there's no transparency in a charter school versus a traditional district school. I don't understand what that means though.
1: <laughs> um, you know, I think that there is a, certainly a conversation around, I think how budgets are reported, I think is what I've kind of consistently read. I think that there is um, a real Concern if there is a charter school that is not willing to be transparent about those things. I would I would argue that that is a critical component to any public entity um, And one that we would firmly embrace or one that we do firmly embrace.
0: Got it From your website it talks about how the number one predictor of academic achievement in the United States is not Race—it's not socio socioeconomic status. It's teacher quality, and we touched a little bit about a little bit on that. Mm-hmm. I think that, that makes sense to me. But how do you get the best teachers? <laughs>
1: That's the age-old question. Right. Um, I mean, our goal is—you know—to hire, train, and retain the absolute highest quality talent. And we we search nationally for teachers. Last year, we reviewed about two thousand resumes for twelve open positions. Wow. And so, I think for us, it is because I, I so firmly believe in, in that statistic that we put on our website. Um, it is, if we can not only find the best teachers, but then train those teachers who are potentially coming new to the profession, I think that that's where... We have done our job. Um, our teachers come for three and a half weeks of summer professional development. They're observed on a weekly basis. They get a debrief with their instructional coach uh, on a weekly basis. We have PD every Friday. We do an early release professional development every Friday, and so we really want to invest in our teachers. Our teachers should never have to spend any of their own funds on anything except for maybe the treasure box in their classroom. Um, or the classrooms are named after universities, so they will, you know, put pennants up for the, their University of. Of choice, but um, we want to invest in our teachers. We send our teachers back to the schools I I mentioned in in Newark uh, once per year so that we continue to learn from the absolute best and in no way think of of Arizona as being a boundary for, for where we can continue to go and seek out excellence.
0: Two thousand candidates from all over the country. Are you pulling from Teach for America, or where do you source names?
1: So a variety, and um, we'll definitely look at Teach for America. We will definitely just put postings out. You know, Indeed. Um, I always tell the story of our principal in Maryville when I first opened the school to for our, our kindergarten posting. She applied through a Craigslist posting I had put up. So That's it funny. is literally from every source we can think of, and frankly, something we always want to be better at, and always want to continue. We you know referrals from our current teachers um, for our first three years, we had 100% retention of our teachers. And that was when I was asking them to ride the bus at 5.45 in the morning and all sorts of crazy things that you do in your first year of, of opening. Um, and so I think that it is the idea that we've created a place where teachers, I think, can feel successful that will, I think, allow them to want to stay.
0: Right. Clearly, those people that, that stuck around and are still here, <laughs> they they buy into the vision and they
1: clearly are
0: are, are in line with it so these people don't necessarily have teaching degrees
1: that's correct so as a charter school you do not necessarily have to have had a certification to actually teach and i think you know when you think about um a, a school being able to select that person so say you went to the barrett honors college and you got a degree in math but you didn't necessarily get a teaching degree. Well, what we'd like to do is say, actually that's awesome that you have that phenomenal math expertise. What we can do is actually train you and give you the skills needed to be a phenomenal teacher. I think there are a few kind of prerequisites that we look for that I just know that I can't train. So are you aligned to our mission and vision? Do you firmly believe that all students can learn? Uh, Are you receptive to feedback? Are you okay with me coming into your classroom and interrupting and giving you that live coaching and, and support? um do you have this level of grit that we want to see our teachers work from 7 to 5 we have a longer school day uh, than most traditional charter and district schools um do you want that do you want to actually <laughs> work from 7 to 5 um every day so it's it's sort of evaluating those elements during the interview process because then we can say hey we actually have a very clear and thoughtful professional development trajectory for a brand new teacher or if you haven't had that teaching experience and we want to be able to provide that for you
0: I can see where that might be irritating to somebody with a teaching degree, but then mm-hmm. I can also see if I were in your shoes not really caring because, <laughs> you know, that...
1: Well, you know, I think about some of our teachers who now who do have a, a teaching degree, and and they're just phenomenal. And and so for me, it's it's very much the person. It is not necessarily um, saying you know looking at of course the experiences is helpful in understanding the background that each individual brings, but we're looking for strong culture fits. We are a high capacity group of people that are working really long hours to um, impact uh, education in our state and. If you're up for that, if you have a teaching degree, or if you don't, I want you on our team.
0: Nice. So when you talk about demographics do not determine destiny, what are you talking about?
1: So, you know, where we're situated right here, um, actually in the Central City South community, uh, the we are the only, we, the letter grades have come out, and there's obviously quite a bit of dispute around whether or not they're going to stay but we currently have an A. We're the only A school have an option for the kids in this community and so what we firmly believe is that it does not matter where you live it does not matter what your zip code is you need to have access to a high-quality education um, in our very first year we actually uh, we're gonna do we're gonna provide transportation many charter schools didn't provide transportation however we found that it was access to transportation or reliable transportation that would impact our families getting to school and so we kind of our second week of school said great we're gonna purchase a school bus because if you don't have access to that quality education it's not true choice and so that whole (laughs) idea of demographics don't determine destiny is very much rooted in the fact that it does it should not matter where you live in our state you should always have access to a quality education
0: got it i think that that i couldn't agree with you more about that congratulations on be the on on receiving the a thank you. (laughs) you do you refer that a Do you refer to that as a grade or is that a rating? It's technically a letter,
1: yeah, letter grade rating. Now, it could change there. So there's been some, um, uh, I think they're in no way final. They've certainly been released publicly, but they're in no way final. So that could change.
0: Right. (laughs) Anything is possible. Anything
1: is is possible. That's true.
0: College prep begins in kindergarten.
1: (laughs) Yes, it does. Um, We have every single classroom named after a university. Uh, We firmly believe that The idea of a quality education um, needs to start in kindergarten. Last year, we had over 90% of our students in kindergarten come in significantly behind grade level. At the end of the year, we had over 90% at or above grade level. We think that that year of kindergarten is so critical to preparing our students for first grade, second grade, and beyond. Um, Arizona's placed a lot of emphasis around this third grade reading uh, mark in terms of making sure that students who can pass third grade are then now ready to take on the rigors of fourth and fifth grade and then ultimately middle school. Um, And we don't believe that that can happen unless we have that full day of kindergarten, um, as well as the idea that college and the conversation of college starts in kindergarten. So each class does a college chant. We start once a week where we call it morning motivation where the principal leads this sort of big kind of assembly where all the classes come together. They share their college chant. They um, are sharing cheers that they've learned throughout the week around different vocabulary words. Um, So it's all academically focused. But of course, you know, at that age, the kids don't quite realize that they just think it's fun. Um, But as much as we can talk about college in starting in kindergarten, we think it's really important.
0: Yeah. setting the expectation.
1: Yes, exactly. Just
0: like we were talking about.
1: Yes. (laughs) Nice.
0: All right. Um, When you say that, a kindergartner, is that a Uh, four-year-old?
1: A five-year-old. A
0: five-year-old walks in and they're behind grade level? Mm -hmm. What, What does that mean?
1: So a variety of different things. It could be you know, a child actually coming in not speaking any English, actually. It could be a child coming in not knowing any of their letters and sounds, not actually able to hold a pencil, uh, not able to kind of even hold the book correctly. And so we're really finding that uh, there's a gap in just some of those basic skills that we would like them to come into kindergarten with, um, but we're able to throughout, because we've developed the model to address that, um, we're able to catch them up in that year.
0: Got it. Okay, cool. Um, Character education can and must character, Mm -hmm. teaching character can and must be taught. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I certainly agree with that. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: (laughs) So it's actually, we think it's so important that we've even made it part of our mission statement. We think academic rigor and character education truly go hand in hand. Um, In our very, for the first five years, we have uh, done, uh, we have a set of core values. Part of that morning motivation that I shared is also talking about one of the core values. There's core value competitions. um, That looks a little bit different in kindergarten through second grade than it does in third through fifth grade. Um, As I shared earlier, even with our academic model, we searched and, and tried to find who who's the best at teaching literacy, who's the best at teaching math, and we wanna model ourselves after them. We've actually recently found a set of schools in Tennessee that in their very first year had some of the highest performance uh, academically than all schools in the state of Tennessee, and so they actually have a very explicit character education model they have done for their middle school. And as we hope to grow our elementary school into a middle school, we've actually sent a team of teachers out there to study what they're doing and bring that back. And so it's rooted in sort of a community circle and taking time out of the schedule to actually have the students come together to really talk about how their week went. And and, and it kind of is a whole scope and sequence that progresses throughout the year. But we've seen a lot of really positive um, impact from that uh, already. But still, just with the idea of who is doing it the best, how can we take that? Continue to innovate ourselves around that model and make it specific for our community here in, in Phoenix. But again, our, our whole focus here is like, who is getting it done for kids? We want to, repli- if you're wearing green shirts and green shirts is what it is, we're going to wear green shirts. Um, we firmly believe in that idea of replicating the best.
0: Right. So the idea of teaching character oftentimes, or does, manifest itself in reinforcing the values.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And, and and the idea of the teaching the character, I mean, we're creating the next generation of leaders for our state, and so we want to ensure that we're not only setting them up to be strong academically, but also equipping them with additional skills that they need to be successful.
0: I really get excited about the idea of alignment, and if we're talking about what we were talking about a successful organization earlier, how, the leader of the organization sets the sets the mission and sets the values but if it's a, a company the person that works in the mailroom mm-hmm. also has to be aligned to that absolutely otherwise the company's not going to be in total alignment
1: absolutely so
0: if you are setting the agenda and the mission for the organization mm-hmm. here for vista mm-hmm. but the kids are like eh <laughs> then it's not gonna work
1: that's correct that's correct I mean I think that's that's absolutely right I think for both our staff and for our students we we talk a lot about, for our staff um we something called core observable behaviors and so they're actual um, kind of shout outs that our staff will give one another for somebody who's exemplifying that particular core value or core observable behavior so something um, you know it's not just respect it's actually you know doing what you say you will and so how we can show that with amongst our team is a critical piece of, of, of our kind of adult culture here as well because we really really value that I was just on the phone doing some interviews for teachers for next year and I always say at the end that we part of our interview process is actually having teachers come in here to do a demo Lesson and tour the building because we very, and include our teachers and other staff members in that process because it is a culture that we have created here that we want to be so protective of. Um, you absolutely, as a teacher who's working really, really hard, don't in any way want to think that the person next door to you isn't working as hard as you. And so we really try and screen for that and and also allow that other person to come in and hopefully and self select out if they say, "Whoa, this is, this is people are crazy. This is not for me." Totally fine. Um, We want that to happen and that interaction to to occur. Yeah, you want to happen.
0: You want to discover that as early as possible. Ideally,
1: yes.
0: (laughs) Um, Awesome. I think that actually affecting positive change and having that change be lasting requires that somebody wants to do it, that they know how to do it, and that there's a supportive community. Um that's 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 around to reinforce and hold accountable and, and to help and, mm-hmm. and, and, and to celebrate.
1: Definitely and,
0: and, and to coach up and everything else. And that's true in, in anything.
1: I would imagine. I mean, we just were having this conversation as we think about supporting uh, teachers as we plan our, our professional development for the next year. I mean, we always say for our teachers, if your students didn't weren't successful on that assessment, the first place you look is yourself, right? You say, what did I not do as a teacher in order to prepare my students for being successful? And then our coaches do the same thing. If that teacher didn't get that lesson correctly, great. What is it actually that I didn't do as a coach to ensure that that teacher was prepared? So I think that accountability is, is critical.
0: Easy with the personal responsibility stuff.
1: Yes. I mean, slow down.
0: <laughs> don't, don't want to do too much of that. Um, I, I think that that's really exciting. Um, and I, I also, you may be in a unique position being that you've researched and looked at so many different schools mm-hmm. from all over the country. Mm-hmm. And perhaps the really successful ones are the ones that have identified we really need to get this alignment mm-hmm. with the values mm-hmm. from the leadership to the teachers to the students. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's a function of that the values are lacking in kids these days?
1: No. I hate to say that I know but See, I would then again put it back on the adults in the building. I think that it is it is you know we would we just we refuse to accept that it is again thinking about that classroom if the students didn't do well in the assessment it's not the kids it's 100% the teaching then of course there are going to be extenuating circumstances maybe there was a couple of kiddos that had more absences that month or not but collectively you know we you know you get what you expect is what we tell our teachers all the time and so it is if your expectations are high if you're setting that bar really high if you're saying that no i do believe it is possible for all students to be successful here you will and we've we've now and we're able to in, in the first year when i was telling people that you know, I didn't, <laughs> I was, I promise it's true. And now we can say, listen, we have now five years of, of, of doing this and we've been successful every other year. So you can't tell me actually that it's just your group of kids or, you know, this grade or whatever that is that, that can't be successful because we've not proven that it is possible.
0: Right. And I would never blame the kids. Mm-hmm. I would certainly say that it's hundred percent the adults in the yeah. room. And I, I, I'm just, I'm just curious mm-hmm. and it's something I've been pondering as of late. And perhaps it's it's the breakdown in, in a lot of the traditional social structures that we've had, less people going to church, things of that nature where maybe it's social media, who knows. But I think that there's a need to really teach character mm-hmm. and reinforce values. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I certainly credit you and um, you're enjoying the kind of success that you are because you're doing that.
1: Well, and I think, you know, to to the point, I think it's also an area where, we haven't found a magic solution yet right and so there's always and uh, this is something we're always looking to grow in both in terms of our academics and in terms of, of this piece and and we're really excited about uh, potentially you know working with the school in, in Tennessee and really learning what they're doing but again innovating and bringing that back to our own school around you know what works for us in particular um, but I think it's an area of, of constant growth
0: yeah. You said you get what you expect, and I, I love that. The the one that I have used in the past is you get what you tolerate. So, so
1: you <laughs> there's get, a version, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you
0: Get what you tolerate, and that was that was Coach Mike Ditka who was talking about <laughs> players stepping out of line. That's but, funny. You know, you can't let the inmates run the asylum, so True to speak. True story. With, with, with the children, you got to make sure that the team, anyway. Anyway, um, so much good stuff to talk about. Um, Be a yardstick of quality. Some people aren't used to being in an environment where excellence is expected. Um, I read that on the website, and that made me think about what gets measured gets gets done. Yeah, I'm pretty really sure we have that
1: quote somewhere up here as well. Uh, absolutely, I mean, data is is critical for us. I'd say that that's another element of the interview process, especially when we think about bringing coaches on. You know, do you firmly believe that actually giving your students an assessment is going to be helpful for you? Um, because that's what we believe across the board is actually you can't. Actually, then make stronger instruction unless you know what the kids know or don't know. And so we really think of of using assessments frequently throughout the course of the school year to make sure that our kids have a chance to show us what they know. And then again, if they didn't, they weren't successful at something, we can rejigger or tweak our instruction in some way. And so I think our school and our teachers feel really empowered to be able to bring that to their coach and say, "Hey, this is actually how I want to adjust here because I need to." Um, Address X, Y, or Z gap in, in instruction that I caused or whatever that might be. And then we've carved out time during our school day where we can actually do sort of a spiral review back of um, uh, standards that maybe our students struggled with on a last assessment or a last interim. Um, and so trying to, to carve that time out so that our teachers feel like they can actually go back and address those skills rather than just moving on if, if somebody had a gap in something. So absolutely, I mean the measurement of data is critical for us. And and I guess to your point, more importantly, the right data. It, um, is is a huge part of our model
0: yeah makes sense um, so if we're going to be in full alignment we need again leader of the organization in this example you, you have your principals the teachers the kids mm-hmm. but I w- would have to imagine that having the parents on, on the same page is also an integral part of that
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's a huge component of our model, a hundred percent. We actually do a home visit to every single new to Vista College Prep family over the course of the summer, uh, where we actually go um, talk a little bit about homework expectations, talk a little bit about what the day is going to be like. You go to, parents,
0: you go to the kids' house?
1: Go to their homes. Oh, wow. um, and so I did them in our first year and actually our principals and our staff get to participate, but usually our operations folks and our, our, our fellows get to participate in that as well. Um, but it's a, a great opportunity of just setting the stage and making sure that they know like this is gonna be a little bit different than probably another school that you might have attended. Um, Many of our families are uh, Spanish speakers and so a huge focus for for me and our entire school team is making sure that our building is 100% accessible. Our whole front office staff is bilingual. Every document we send home is in Spanish and English. Um, Teachers have translators for parent-teacher conferences so that they feel like, again, that parent can feel like they have that constant communication with the teacher. Teachers actually call home once a month for every single student to give just sort of a status report on how they're doing the parents get a daily homework or a daily sort of behavior log have their kiddo do during the course of the school day and then if it's a, um, a red color uh, they'll get a little note from the teacher explaining why that that color is there um, and so the idea of just constant communication we've averaged almost 100 participation at every single parent teacher conference which we're incredibly proud of um, because yes to your, your point the parent engagement is, is critical
0: yeah, one of the first questions I asked you off the top was what's the role of a school and what's what's the role of a teacher? And certainly I would I think that really the role of a parent should be to really teach the child the values and 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 reinforce the value and the need of education. So I'm really glad to hear that almost 100% of, 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 of the parents are actively involved.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think there's there's times when, you know, a parent can't be involved in a moment. They're dealing with multiple jobs, whatever it might be. And so we try and figure out, great, so are we going to have that meeting at your house today? Or are we going to do schedule it around a time that works better for you? Because we know that even though you couldn't make it to this conference, that's not in any way telling us that you don't care about your child's education. We just want to figure that out and how to better support you with that.
0: Right. So what do you wish that you had more time to do? (laughs)
1: Um, (laughs) More time. You know, I think... When I think about ultimately the the challenges, you know, if somebody were ask me, you know, what is your your number one challenge? I think, you know, we feel really good about retaining our teachers. I think it's the recruitment of new teachers, which is just constantly on my mind. Um, I'm going to play um, a, a big role in our hiring process this year as we're continuing to grow our, our Maryville campus. Um, and so when I think about more time, it's 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 continuing to figure out ways of of increasing the touch points we have with potential applicants, um, giving them an opportunity. To come to our school um, and and really being able to really identify, you know, is this person a great fit for us? And so if I were to have more time in my day, I'd want it to be spent
0: there. Nice. Which certainly makes sense. Um what uh, what do you think that the most important thing that we should have been talking about this whole time but <laughs> that we haven't really talked about? What, what am I missing?
1: You know, I you know, I think that we're I think you know, across the headlines in, in the state is is definitely around the teacher shortage that exists. Um, I think the last, one of the last statistics I read said that there were 8,000 vacancies in classrooms across Arizona. And so I think that there is constantly a question around, you know, increasing funding, increasing funding. Um, and I think that that is, is critically important. I think it's also important to have a conversation though around, you know, what are the schools doing in the meantime? So yes, I think everybody always has these huge huge, huge ideas. We're not going to suddenly get $400 billion or whatever it is that, or 200, whatever it is. Like that's just, that's not going to happen probably tomorrow. So, you know, I always think about, well, great, that's not going to happen tomorrow. So what is it though that we need to do in order to make sure that we're so successful today for our students? Because they don't have time to wait for that. And so I think not that we should have been talking about that during the interview, but more, I think that's just something I'm always thinking about is just how educators continue to have the conversations around improving the systems and practices that they've put in place to ensure that they are successful today because it's just not an excuse to say, we needed more money. Again, it's critical and I'm in no way saying that's not the case. We absolutely need more money um, and we fundraise for that. We absolutely do. Um, But I think it's just constantly something I think about which is how can we ensure ensure we're successful today?
0: Right. So I shared with you when we sat down that I have a 15-month-old son and I'm sure that he will be a really high performer in everything Obviously. except for math and science. Super
1: advanced. <laughs>
0: <laughs> except my wife is pretty good at math. So maybe, maybe he's got a shot. But what would your advice be to me as I matriculate from, um, let's just assume that he's going to start in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't personally change the entire school system, mm-hmm. but I can hopefully, what would your advice be to me to make sure James gets the best academic experience possible.
1: Yeah, um, maybe sort of a version then of the answer. I heard at one point somebody say, I think it might have been maybe Michelle Rhee from, who's the former chancellor of DC public schools. And she said something to the effect of, if you had you know, five high performing schools, which is where all of the, the wealthiest communities send their kids, take those schools away for a minute and force uh, uh, middle-class wealthy families to send their, their students to your traditional uh, charter or district school, and if for a second they're not happy with the quality of education that they're getting to advocate for that. And so I think ultimately really ensuring that every single school has strong advocates and forcing our schools to be better. I think that's hopefully the the point of the charter school movement uh, at the end of the day um, But it I think it is to just continue to advocate for quality And so I think you as a parent can can be a voice in that and 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 always to de- demand excellence um, uh, Being really nice to your teachers, of course Absolutely. Um, But um, but always demanding excellence. And so I'd say that that would be that would be my advice.
0: Nice. Okay other thoughts on just general advice to to parents who are listening that want to get a great education for their kids.
1: I, you know, do your research. Go visit. You can absolutely tour the the school buildings. Uh, we bring. We think that actually the way parents get most excited about our school is once they come in. We do tons of canvassing, lots of door to door conversations. And so you could be oh, traumatized you have some crazy person at your door mm-hmm. telling you about a school. Um, but we always encourage our parents to come in. And so I would absolutely say if you are a parent of a, a young student getting ready to go to school to tour that school, meet with the principal, meet with, ask to meet with the kindergarten teacher um, because if they're a great school, they're going to love that.
0: Got it. Excellent. Where can people learn more about you and, and, and Vista? <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, so you can check us out, vistacollegeprep.org. Um, and we love having visitors come in for tours and and showcasing the amazing work that our teachers do. And, and they are truly amazing. They literally get here, some of them at 6.30 in the morning, stay till 6 o'clock in the evening. Um, they are just this incredibly passionate group of individuals. And, and I love to bring people in to, to let them show off what they do best. Well, congratulations. Thank you. The
0: power of engagement. And, 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 and alignment is an incredible thing. So um, anything else you'd like to share?
1: No, I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for coming by.
0: Thank you so much. Um, and I definitely encourage everybody to come check out Vista. It, it, it has been an awesome experience. So if you like what you've heard, please subscribe to the show. Leave us a review, tell a friend. Feel free to share us on social media and keep questioning because the struggle is real.